Okay, good morning everyone. It is Friday, December 18th, and the date doesn't matter as much as the fact that it's Friday, which is awesome. So let's jump right into it because there's a few things I want to cover for you guys that I think is uh, pretty significant just to keep in the back of your mind for, for what's to come politically and other things like that. So first off, Mark Zuckerberg allegedly, now I can't say this for a certain fact, but he allegedly funneled millions of his own money through the Facebook algorithms, through the harnessing of his own security and technology systems to help Biden. Now, I don't know the veracity of how true that is. I'm not sure of the specifics, so I don't want to sit here and elaborate on something that I don't know about, but it is something I feel is important to cover. Now, it's coming out more and more that he's doing this, but look, guys, ultimately, we're not going to be able to prove it. I mean, it's good to keep in the back of our heads, but in the back of our minds, but we can't prove it. So at the end of the day, it's the same thing like these these big tech hearings that the Senate holds in the United States and stuff. They hold these big hearings and then they, they you know, Republican or Democrat, they rip on the big tech CEOs like Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, um, Tim Cook, uh, all those guys. Uh, Sanjay, uh, I forgot his name, but the, the CEO of Google. And then nothing happens. So it's like, okay, but it is important to keep in the back of our heads uh, what's going on there just because most of us around the world probably do have Facebook. And again, this is the harnessing power and leverage power that someone like Zuckerberg has because at the end of the day, regardless if you think, well, most people don't like him, but the point is, is that ultimately, unless we're all willing to get off of Facebook, that power leverage is not really going to change anytime soon. So... The next thing is that John Luke Brunel, so if you've seen the Lifetime documentary on Jeffrey Epstein, so there were two major ones. There was the Netflix one and the Lifetime one. And so what happened in the Lifetime one was they went into a lot more detail about Jeffrey Epstein's kind of like web of people that he was connected to that used to recruit girls for him. Outside of the main girls mentioned in the Netflix documentary and Ghislaine Maxwell, there was a very popular fashion designer by the name of Jean-Luc Brunel. Sorry, not designer. I believe he owned a modeling agency. My apologies. And... Long story short, he pretty much funneled all these girls to, to Jeffrey Epstein. And apparently Jean-Luc Brunel even participated in some of these uh, rapes or molestations or what have you. So, look, at the end of the day, once I saw Jean-Luc Brunel being covered so much in the Lifetime series, I knew it was only a matter of time before the FBI or someone overseas picked him up. Because at the end of the day, what's ironic is that a lot of times, guys, and this is the cold hard truth, a lot of investigators are really good at what, at what they do, but... What ends up happening is that they don't know a lot of things until they find it out through investigative journalism and they watch it on these documentaries and then they go into work the next day and say, okay, now that it's so public and popular, we got to do something about this. So I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I'm also not saying it in a good way. I'm just saying we have to look at it objectively and say, okay, these, these police officers, whether it's on a local level or a federal level, whatever it is, they're good at their jobs. They they stop a lot of you know terrorist plots and things that are very good and very beneficial regardless of your political view but sometimes they miss stuff because what are they they're a large group of human beings with vast money and resources yes and intelligence but at the same time they're still human they still miss things and that's just the way it goes right the next thing i want to talk about is that travis walton will be on the joe rogan podcast and i want to mention this quickly for the simple fact that he was allegedly kidnapped Back in, I believe, 1974, I think it was, give or take. Anyways, it was the early to mid-70s, long story short. I don't know how that came to be in terms of how he was getting get scheduled on Joe Rogan's show, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The next thing 
and this is going to be me just covering the vaccine segments very quickly, but the Brazil Supreme Court ruled that vaccines can potentially be mandatory. But here's the thing, guys. Other leaders around the world, particularly not exactly the, the prime ministers and the presidents of the world, but the economic advisors are saying that mandating the vaccine, making it absolutely mandatory in order for people to get on planes and things like this are going to hurt multiple industries big time, regardless of how much of a bounce back the economy makes on a global scale. Once this virus is over or once this whole thing is over, that's what they're pretty much saying. They're pretty much saying if you mandate it, a lot of people are going to stop traveling and doing the things they like. Therefore, it's not going to stimulate the economy. And look, it's a very valid point. I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys the truth. I'm one of the people that is a little bit skeptical when they say, well, you don't have to take it. But, you know, if you want to get on a plane, you want to get on a train, you want to hop on a, you know, a a bus on the public transit system, you want to hop on a subway, you got to take it. I mean, then that's where I fundamentally disagree. I mean, if they mandate that where I live, I I imagine myself uh, probably staying home more often than I usually do, right? Now, the next thing is that the Catholic Cardinal, one of the many Catholic Cardinals of the Vatican, said that mass vaccination is triggering the Great Reset. Now, here's the thing. From what I understand, this was spoken in Italian, if I'm not mistaken. I do have a bit of an understanding of the language, but at the same time... the problem is, is that those kind of statements from those kind of leaders are so general and vague, they could mean anything. They could literally mean, and I'm very serious about this, some of the most sinister implications. And it could be a way of this cardinal giving a signal to others around the world, like, listen, it's time. Or it could mean absolutely nothing. At the end of the day, when they say such general and vague things, particularly when it gets translated from any language, no matter how accurate the translation is, it's always distorted a little bit. And so we have to be objective to that and we have to be aware of that because it can go either way. And I'm not saying this because, I, again, like I want to play neutral. It's got nothing to do with that. It's because these statements are so vague and open, we can interpret them any way we like. And so that's the problem. Now, the next thing is that the alleged Russian cyber attack that hit major U.S. departments all across the board pretty much allegedly started all the way back in March. So look. Here's the thing, regardless of who you think started this whole COVID thing, and I respect your opinions regardless because I I fully see both sides of it, I really do. I think when we take a step back, we're going to notice that 2020 was a year for not just the United States, but for many countries around the world of letting their guard down, whether intentionally or not. Now, I do have to say that there's a bit of a trade-off, and this is something the mainstream media probably won't talk about, but... Excuse me, so... If we take a step back and we look, what we're going to see is that, at least on the, on a public level, the countries that cared less about vaccinating and and helping their people stay 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 safe from this this virus, which we can debate about its validity, but that's another thing, tend tended to do better on more of a global scale. So I'll give you an example, and I don't. Here's the thing. I know a lot of Russian people who are fantastic people who love their country. So I'm not trying to disrespect that. But if we take a look, for example, at let's just say uh, let's just say Russia or North Korea. Well, I mean, Kim Jong-un never fed his people in the first place to begin with. But the point is, is that it's a terrible thing, but it's true. If you're looking to obtain a strategic political objective militarily in the cyber world, economically, whatever it is. If you stop caring about the needs of your people, especially during a time like this with a global pandemic, you're going to do pretty well in terms of your strategical viewpoints and your your strategies that you want to implement. Because 
half the battle is pandemic is caring for the people of your own country. So you got to take off focus and resources from looking outside and you got to focus inside. And so we can see when we look back at this Russian hack, why they started all the way back in March, assuming it was a Russian hack and not a piece of disinformation by the U.S. institutions giving this out, assuming it is, we have to look and we have to say, okay, they knew, assuming, again, assuming it was Russia, because I don't want to say it was for sure and just believe that, but if it was, or if it was any country, by March, April, you knew that this pandemic was going to take over the whole planet pretty much and subdue people. So I don't even think Russia is attacking the U.S. in a singular kind of notion. And what I mean by that is like, I think there's many countries attacking many other countries. It's all just the, the chessboard's all over the place right now. The pieces are everywhere. The pandemic has really let this kind of get all screwed up and has let the overarching timeline of strategic political planning be pushed back a little bit. But it's also kind of, I guess we could say, revolutionized it in a certain sense but i say that carefully because so many things can happen and things are changing by the hour it's very hard to tell now the next thing is that fox news was not the first to report this but they were the biggest outlet to report it on a public level but it was reported by smaller independent journalists first now there were text messages from a blackberry i believe it was showing hunter biden saying quote don't speak of joe on text only mention his name face to face we have to remain paranoid end quote now i believe these messages were with hunter biden and an associate and they were talking about bringing joe biden in because it makes it look like the deal they were doing with china was more family oriented they said or something along more fam more of a family business look guys the, here's the thing, and it's regardless of which side or which angle you, you take, what we're looking for here is the truth, and the truth is this, at least to my the extent of my knowledge and your guys' knowledge when you guys help, help inform me on things, it's all the same crap. The only difference is that maybe Trump pushed it a bit more, or maybe he didn't, or maybe Trump is doing the same thing that every other president's ever done, except the media is just exposing him more. So there's a few different factors at play here, but at the end of the day, the question then becomes, which one is not corrupt? Which politician is not? Because the ones that are not corrupt are the ones that don't even uh, escalate up the ladder, so to speak. You have to be part of the corruption to get to grow and pretty much escalate up the ladder, regardless of which political side you're on. Because the major corporate donors donate to both sides all the time. All the time. That's why the corporations right now, all their stores like Walmart and all them are open, but the mom and pop businesses are shut down. Which is another thing. This takes me to my next story, which is that Chris Cuomo in his New York over there. Now, sorry, Andrew Cuomo. I don't, I don't want to put this on Cuomo because I cannot prove it. And I do not want to put this on the entire New York Police Department because I can't prove it. But what's happening in New York is that police officers, a handful of them, I do want to note that. I don't want to make it seem like it's the entire New York Police Department. Police officers are going into restaurants undercover, ordering food, because allegedly these restaurants are not supposed to be opened, ordering food. And once they receive the food, I guess, in, a, in the, the legal perspective that, that um, completes the transaction... And so they can arrest the, the restaurant owner, find the place, find the owner, and shut the place down temporarily while the owner has to uh, wait in a jail cell and get bail. Look, again, it's ridiculous. And I say this regardless because I think we can agree on both sides, with Democrat or Republican, even independent. People need to work. And the fact that the government's not helping with these stimulus checks 
what do you expect them to do? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. And I'm talking about the business owners, not the cops. The cops, it's a bit of a different story. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, I don't want to say it's the entire New York Police Department or they have like a, a special uh, project or operation going just for this because I can't say that for sure. What I can say is that it's a handful of these officers. Now, whether or not this is going to get enforced or supported or they're just going to say, no, we don't endorse that, but they won't. The New York Police Department always sticks up for their own regardless. And we've seen that many times, which is fine. But we have to weigh both sides of the scale here. And it's as simple as that. Now, the next thing is that YouTube said, and this was about a week, week and a half ago, but it's ironic now. YouTube said that they are removing live streams and videos of channels that are saying that there was widespread voter fraud. Okay. Which is why a lot of the conservative and not even far right, but just the center right leaning channels on YouTube had to be very careful all the time. If you hear them every day, they say all the time. YouTube, if you're listening, yes, Joe Biden won in, in, uh, on paper in theory, but we have to discuss other possibilities. Why? They're trying to cover their ass, and I don't blame them. The, fa- the problem I have here is that it's like YouTube has become a publisher and curator instead of a neutral platform. And the irony about this, what's so goddamn ironic, is that when we look five years ago, when everyone was saying Trump was a Russian agent... And we haven't seen much of that. I mean, okay, there's some reports that can show this and maybe imply it. But even when someone like Robert Mueller investigates him and it's kind of his answers are very neutral and iffy and nothing came out of it, it's kind of like he was playing both sides against the middle to please both the Democrats and the Republicans, which I can understand as a special prosecutor, you're supposed to remain neutral. Maybe that's the best way you could do it. But at the same time, they're not blocking, forget Trump, they're not blocking videos that say that the, the CIA and the, um, the Bush administration lied about the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. But then all of a sudden we're talking about possibly legitimate fraud, and then they're blocking those videos. My point here is they have to be consistent with their outrage and with their censorship. Because if you're not, then don't take a side. It's as simple as that. But again, there's money involved. It's all political strategy. When you get big enough to become that of a, a corporate size like YouTube and Google and Alphabet, which is the parent company, there's so many factors at play that God knows what goes on behind the scenes. Okay. But at the end of the day, is there consistency Absolute with their censorship? Absolutely not. And maybe this video might get taken down for saying that. Who knows? But we'll see what happens. So the next thing is that Chris Krebs, the cybersecurity chief who Trump fired, the guy who said there was, who apparently they said was there was no fraud. Here's the thing. We have to break this down more carefully because what I noticed yesterday was that the mainstream media was manipulating this in a way that was extremely misleading. So, excuse me. Now, he, he never said there was no fraud. He said there was no evidence of fraud on his perspective. Now, keep in mind, there's a big difference between evidence and proof. But with that being said, he also claimed that he had nothing to do with the criminal division of the cybersecurity that is responsible for locating fraud. But here's the thing. The media won't give it to you straight that way because they have to flip it to their narrative. So technically speaking, the media is not lying, but they're not really giving you the full story either. And excuse me if you're watching on YouTube, just reading from my uh, my notes here. Now, that's not to say that there was enough fraud to change the results of the election, but a lot of the cases that were presented in court were thrown out because a lot of the judges said that this is a criminal matter and they are civil judges in a civil courtroom. 
And they all, some of them also said to people like Rudy Giuliani and those guys that it's too late to sue. So here's the thing. The problem is, and you got to, I have to say personally, if I'm looking at it as objectively as I can, assuming I have all the facts, Rudy Giuliani's out there saying there's fraud on a public scale. But when he goes into the courtrooms, his cases are not alleging fraud. They're alleging some other technical term. So look, here's the thing. We're hearing many different stories about this. We're seeing videos of Republican electors not being allowed, allowed into buildings and things like that. But the problem is, guys, we don't have all angles of the story. So whether you're Democratic or Republican, the media is to, the only people that really know what's going on are probably the cameramen that actually go to these places and report these things. Because the journalists already know what narrative they have to push. So they're going to push their, their view of what their boss told them for their network. And then after that, what do you have? The cameraman always stays quiet. They never talk. So how are we going to know the truth? Right? So again, it's very hard to, uh, very hard to fathom. So, and the last thing I did want to say is that as of, I think that uh, the time I'm recording this, this morning, Mike Pence and, uh, the U S surgeon general, I believe is, are going to be receiving the vaccine live and, uh, we'll see what happens. So I know. I know that this morning, CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who, even if you don't watch CNN, the guy's name's been mentioned so much this year, you can't not hear it. Um, if I'm him, I'd be asking for a pay raise. But yeah, he apparently got it live this morning too in a hospital in Atlanta as well. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. If you don't end up watching this afternoon's episode, then we will catch you on Monday. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you.